Here's the series. How do you get more from God? And this series is really driven around this concept of, um, and it, I know it sounds a little bit weird, how to get more from God, but it's really driven around the concept of the fact that we all want more. Right? This is, the, this is what I believe that God has placed in our heart, is that every single one of us, we were wired, we were designed, um, and, and because of the fall, because of the curse, because of what happened in the garden, um, now that something is unfulfilled, we are hardwired from birth wanting more, right? We all want more. Put that slide up for me, Jake. I think that's it. You keep the people online uh, 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 up to date. Are you back there? Sorry, Jake. Uh, there you go. We all want more. That's for the people online. Um, for for us here, I just I think that once we settle the reality that's that is just hardwired within us, we understand why culture and why advertising and why marketing is so successful. I think we understand that that God may not always be pleased, obviously, with the way in which we try to fill the void in our life, in which we try to uh, the decisions we make for more and the things we pursue to fill that 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 desire for more in us. Uh, but I, I still think that that more is something that God uses to help us to draw closer to Him, to draw to draw and pursue Him. Really, that's the, I think He's using. It's only God can, as He's using something that was a result of a fall. He was using something that is a result of sin to cause us to 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 point us to Him, to seek Him. And so that's really what the core of this uh, this uh, series is. And from a spiritual standpoint, we're going to talk about how to get more from God. In terms of the things that we know are true, like if I talk to most believers, um, we all want more uh, favor. We also we all want more blessing. And I'm not talking about like just from a from a selfish materialistic situation. Um, Most believers that believe that God wants you to have a life that is full of satisfaction, full of blessing. um, We kind of always wonder if we're where we need to be. And so there is a desire to always want more. Right? We want more clarity because we want to know God's will and we want to make the right decision and we want to make the right call. Should I date this person? Should I marry this person? Should I take this job? Should I move across the country? No, we all want clarity. We all want to hear God better. So we know we want more. We want more of an experience. That's what we're going to talk about today and more of an experience through the, through the church, especially, um, because that's where a lot of our corporate experiences come from. We want more of an experience with God in terms of changing our lives. We want more, um, uh, growth, spiritual growth in our life. We want more success in terms of things working out, right? And we want more of the presence of God. And most people don't say presence. Most people just talk about the fact that they have a lack of peace. So people are anxious and people worry and people are just filled with this kind of angst in their life. And they don't really understand that that presence from God, that closeness in relationship with God comes from the, the peace that comes from that. So it's really the presence they want more of in their life. So that's what we're going to spend in this whole series talking about is, is, is those uh, several things. And today, again, we're going to talk mostly about our experience. First question I, I kind of wrote down when I was going through this is, just to start us off, is, is there more? Okay. I know we're wired this way. And like I said, I kind of already said, this is what God is using, but you have to acknowledge and at least settle in your heart. Is there more that you're not experiencing that God wants you to experience? Because I think there's some, maybe some followers of Christ that they're not really sure. They're not really sure. Sometimes there is definitely a sense within the Christian culture that this is kind of as good as it gets. And we are extraordinarily blessed, right, in this, in our nation. We're extraordinarily, we live in a very blessed time and a very blessed nation. So sometimes it, I'm, grew up with a lot of Baptists and other people that might even kind of frown on the fact that you would state that you could get more from God, right? 
But we're going to be studying, as we study in the next several weeks, we're going to be studying lots of Scripture that talks about the fullness of God and the success that He desires and the favor He pours out and the richness of His glory and the richness of the life. And again, we're looking at all these words, and because of that, when I look at sort of the average follower of Christ, I believe, yes, there is more. There's more that we can get from God. And it's not because God doles it out sort of on a tiny basis. I believe we can get more from God because He's already given it to us. He's already poured it out. He's already made it available. He's already He's already brought it to being, and it's accessible. So we need to just understand that there is more available. There is more in terms of our growth. And so here's where I want to start today in this series. Um, Jesus, this is an opportunity where Jesus was talking with uh, the religious scholars and the religious teachers of the day. Um, Jesus, obviously, he had a message of more. I really do believe that. Jesus came to tell the people, the Israelites, the people of God, the Jewish people, hey, there's more than just this religion that you've settled for. right? There's more, there's more of a relationship with God that you can have that doesn't have anything to do with the high priest that, you, that you've connected through. There's, more, you know, there's something more. There's something better. There's more power going to be available to you when the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. Like Jesus had throughout his message a message of more. There's more that God wants for you, and I'm here. That's what Jesus would say. I'm here to bring this to you. But because he did so well, Jesus did so well at kind of bringing this to light slowly but surely over the course of his teaching, there was an opportunity where um, the religious leaders, they were just very upset with with his message and so they asked him trying to trick him they always try to trick him they asked him hey what's you know we live by these rules we live by these commands we live by these 614 uh, established laws Uh, what would you say jesus is the most important one right and it's a trick i mean that's a trick question because ultimately they did not they did not want to claim that any one thing was more important than the other and yet they're trying to get jesus as a rabbi as a teacher to kind of paint himself into a corner and here's how he responds. This is just one of those, in Mark 12, one of those, uh, uh, there's two actual instances, but this is the, the first instance. He says, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing by listening to the debate as he heard that going on. He realized that Jesus had answered well, meaning that Jesus was doing very well in terms of winning the crowd, winning the argument, winning the conversation. So he asked this, of all the commands, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, well, the most important command is this. And I want you to see the, the little colon there. It, he, it starts right here. This is not usually what we read. This is not usually what we hear. But it starts right here. The most important, I need to move a little bit so you guys can say. The most important command is this. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And then he says, and, and the reason I put therefore there, I inserted that because sometimes we don't get the context of, how some of the Greek words are written and the, and the way in which they're stated. Most of the time, it's, there's meaning behind the word. So this and word actually for us would mean then or therefore, because of the first statement that was made that the Lord your God is the one and only God, then, therefore, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he says the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other command is greater than these. No other command is greater than this. And so after this exchange, as I remember, if you remember he's saying this last week, I want to go back to what he he states as a command. He, he says, you know, the greatest command is this, and he gives lots of things, but he says, this is the greatest command. And I said it last week, anything that we're commanded to do, we're accountable for, right? Anything we're commanded to do, we are accountable for. 
And so for the most part, we tend as a church to focus a lot of time, 90% of our time, focus on the last part of this commandment. I think the only reason we do that is because it's the part that we see the most, loving our neighbor as ourselves. It has to do with our behavior. It has to do with our outward appearance. It has to do with our outward actions, our outward service. Um, that's usually what we focus on because it's what we feel like most people can, we need to work on, right? But this is a, this is the fullness of the command that I believe Jesus is actually talking about in terms of how do we seek God, um, and how do we, how do we get more from our relationship and our experience with him, especially as he designed, again, he was talking about the two, he was talking to the Jewish people about the religion they were experiencing. And how do you experience God through your religion? Well, here's how you do that. And this is the first one he starts with, and you have to start here, is that he's the one and only Lord. This is the, where it starts. Listen, O Israel. The Lord your God is the one and only Lord. And I, I don't feel like I have to preach on this fully, but at the end of the day, there is an order to the way things work. And the way things that God designed for, for his people, for, for the people of God to work in terms of us receiving the fullness, um, uh, the richness of all that he has designed for us, it really only works when he is Lord, when he is first, when he's the first priority in your life. It only works that way. It can't be that there's something, you know, you, you can't want clarity in your life, and, and then trust your wisdom and the wisdom of people around you and also trust God. It doesn't work that way. It really only works to, to hear God, to do His will, to have that clarity, is if He is first. You know, Paul tells the, the church in Colossians, and in Colossians he tells the church, he says, you know, Jesus has supremacy in all things, and that all things are created by Him and through Him and for Him, Right? That he, that there, because there's a way things work, because there's a system that God designed, it starts there. It starts with the fact that there's only one Lord in your life. There can only be one Lord in your life. I know uh, uh, Shin talked about this in the Roman series in terms of, of letting things in your life, kind of uh, evaluating things in your life to see who's the Lord of your life. And there's easy ways to do that. But in this case, I really do believe it's, it's a situation where if we want some of the things that we want, even in terms of just spiritually, if we want them from God, we want blessing and success and favor and experience and presence. He has to be first. Like he has to be the only Lord. So it starts there. And then he lists the therefore and the then. He lists the, you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart. You're going to love him with all your uh, soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And it's interesting the list that he gives. This is one of those lists that most people, you know, as, you, as you've studied the list, as you've maybe read this list maybe several times, um, it, it kind of has a whole encompassing person feel to it, which is one of the reasons he breaks it out, I believe. He's obviously, he's quoting the uh, a verse in Leviticus. This is something that was given in terms of Levitical law. So they already had this command. Jesus is just reminding them, right? This is, hey, this is, this is where you start. God's first. And because of that, therefore, then you love him. You pursue him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And when it comes to, uh, as I was working through this, when it comes to kind of evaluating the experience, go ahead and put those, uh, those statements up there. Um, is that my next verse? Yes, it is. This is the verse I love because of the word that's used in terms of seeking God. It's an Old Testament scripture from Jeremiah 29, and it talks to his people and says that if you look for me, read the verse out loud. Yeah, see, it's so much louder, even with just a few of you. Read it again. If you look for me, what? 
wholeheartedly you will find me. And I'll be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. Really, it means restore your lives, restore your previous life. If you look for me wholeheartedly, right? that's that one and only, that's that whole being, which is why he describes this list of four things. Go ahead and put it up. Your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And when I talk to people, especially when it comes to the experience with church, when it comes to the experience with the local church, when it comes to their experience in what we do here, obviously smaller today, but what we normally do here on most Sundays, when they feel discontent, when they feel like they're really struggling, when they really start to ask questions about what they're not getting or what they want more of, I usually walk them down the path to kind of uncover which one of these four things are they really looking for. Right? What, which one of these four things are they struggling with? Now, most of the time they don't say, you know, I'm really having a hard time getting my heart involved. I'm really time having a hard time getting my strength involved. I'm really having a hard time loving the Lord, my God, with all my mind here at Journey. That's not what they say. Most of the time when there's this, this discontent in their heart, it's because they really aren't engaging one of these four things. And if I just ask a few questions, you know, getting past the, you know, it's the worship or it's the, you know, I'm not getting fed or it's the I didn't find my place or I didn't have anything to do or, you know, you get past all the surface things. You start having that conversation that says, well, what is it that's not engaged? What's, like you're not getting all that God has, has for you, this experience that He has for you through this corporate experience. What are you not engaging? What are you not fully engaging? Is it your heart, your, your soul, your mind, or your strength? What is it? Because that's, if He's first, first and foremost, you've got to start there, but if He's first, then as you pursue Him wholeheartedly, what's missing? And, and, and a long time ago, my, my mom, right, didn't she talked to us about this. We were, ta- we were having an interesting discussion one day just in terms of just, you know, as we gather organizationally as a church and, and you know, we'd, we'd go home. Tracy had naps a lot on Sunday Sunday afternoon, and it's not because she's tired, although she is tired now, and she has an excuse for why she's tired because we have children. Uh, but but before, even before that, we took naps. Naps were on Sunday afternoon, and one of the reasons was that Tracy and I, we both kind of grew up very, very fully engaged and fully active in our local church and in our local church experience. And there really is, and I, I say this not lightly, I say this, this, I want you to challenge me on this. Ask questions if you feel like you can challenge this. But I don't know of any other experience on the planet that engages all four of these things at one time. I don't know of any other experience on the planet that engages all four of these things at one time. It engages your heart. It engages your soul. It engages your mind. It engages your strength. And one of the ways in which, I'm, I'll be honest, that I look at my life in terms of just 43 years of doing church, 43 years of being involved in this experience and feeling like I continue to get more and more and more out of it, whether I'm speaking or not, is because this is a place that I get to pour my, my life out as a drink offering, as Paul says. Pour it out with my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength. And so that's, my, that's usually what I end up challenging people with. I don't, honestly, I'm kind of uh, not coarse, but I'm usually kind of short with the fact that I don't want people to stay at Journey if they don't want to be at Journey. That's just where I'm at. But when I talk to people about it and I do get to engage in those conversations, my challenge is always... Well, when you go to your next place, <laughs> fully engage here, fully engage there, fully engage here, fully engage in this in the things you feel like you're lacking because I'm telling you, yeah, Dan's preaching it over here, preach it, Matt, fully engage in these areas. Why? Because that's how you seek him wholeheartedly. That's how you begin to experience more from him. And if you just walk through this, I'm going to walk through these very quickly. 
and give you some scripture to understand, even from a corporate context, and, and we, this applies individually as well, but from just the experience we have with God in church through, through what we call the church. The heart really does, I'm, I'm just using two examples, but worship and giving because of scripture. Worship and giving are so tied to being heart issues when it comes to our engagement. So here's a couple of scriptures for you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is far. This is Jesus quoting a scripture in Isaiah just to kind of talk about the difference between lip service, you know, and your heart really engaging in worship. This idea of worship, their, their worship's far from me. Their, their, their hearts are far from me. It goes on to say, don't store up treasures in heaven. This is Matthew 6, 9 in terms of giving. Don't store up treasures in heaven uh, here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth can, and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Why? Because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also or are also. Right? And so here's your heart and your giving. Here's your worship and your giving that have a lot to do with how you engage your heart. Now, worship is, you know, I, they usually talk about worship being just music, you know. I think I even said it when we talked about we'll do some worship afterwards, right? We do music, and music is just a part of what God designed and created to be a part of how our hearts engage. And you can have, listen, have your own musical preferences, have your own musical style. I worship so well to Southern Gospel, okay? I really, I'm just serious. I really do. Now, I don't prefer it in a corporate experience. My wife doesn't want it in the, con the, in the car when we're riding somewhere at all, right? But that's me. That's just me. I mean, I can, I can get out my old gaithers and cathedrals and all that stuff, and I can engage. Why? Because there's something about me, my preference, my style, that when I'm even just privately worshiping, right, I can engage my heart, right? What is worship? It's, it's, it's just gratitude to God for who He is and what He's doing and has done in your life. That's it. And it shows up in everywhere. It shows up in work. It shows, it shows up anywhere we intentionally are doing something and we worship God. But when it comes to even our corporate experience, music is a big deal. That's why we love music here. We want to we engage our hearts in that. Giving's the same way. A lot of people talk about giving being a, a church issue or giving being something that the church maybe talks too much about sometimes. I haven't heard that about Journey necessarily, but it could be coming. Who knows? But that's one of those things that they kind of feel like, is that I'm like, guys, giving is always a heart issue. Why? Because it really just, it, it has to do with where you've placed your trust, right? It's not just obeying the commands of God to tithe and to give back to Him all that He's already given you. Yes, stewardship is a principle, but, but really it's, it's your heart, right? And so here's what I wrote down even as I was thinking about that. The heart really does reveal our passion and our devotion. And if you want to know what your heart is engaged in and fully engaged in, just think about what you're passionate about. What do you get all riled up about? And what are you devoted to? What do you have allegiance to? What, what, what if somebody started talking bad about it, would you get upset about, right? In terms of your devotion, in terms of your, your affection. And that's, that's, that shows you where your heart is. And for, I, I believe for God's people to get the most out of our experiences with God, especially when it comes to church. When we're loving the Lord with God with all of our heart, it's because our heart is fully engaged in passion and devotion. We go to uh, soul. Soul is what, for me, is the, is the description of our entire being. It's the description of who we are. Now, don't mistake in soul and spirit. Spirit is the best way to talk about this in terms of Scripture is that everyone has a spirit. 
but we are souls. So everybody with me on that? Everybody has a spirit, but we are souls. Souls are the kind of the encompassing of all that we are. And, and I talk about souls from a standpoint of authentic community because our soul is the thing that's hardwired to be dependent and to and have community and relationships with other people. That's our soul. Our soul is what's fed by the quality of relationships that we actually have with one another. And that's part of how God designed us. So even loving God with all of our soul is, it has to do with our relationship. How, how open are we? How open can we be not just with Him, but with others? Because it's authentic community that drives that. And I, you've probably heard me say this before, but the quality, right? The friends we, the, the friends we have, our friends will determine the direction and quality of our lives. They really will. And so as I read some of these scriptures, I want you to start thinking about the community of people you're with, the community of people you have in your life, and see how well they line up to some of the things we're called to do in terms of engaging our soul. Let's read. Share each other's burdens in a way that obeys the law of Christ. The law of Christ is to love the Lord your God as I have loved you. I mean, sorry, not loving you. The law of Christ was to love others the way I've loved you. That's the law of Christ, as he talks about the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. I love this. You're not that important. Go, Paul. Right? Go, Paul. You're not that important. Colossians, he says, now just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Okay, so there's salvation, there's acceptance. And then it says, let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And it says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, but rather from Christ. And the reason this verse matters to me is because it really does matter the kind of friends you have. Authentic community, who you can be you with, who you can really let your guard down and be you with, really should be Christ-centered, right? It really should be Christ-centered community. You know, I'm all for the other kinds of communities that people like and people can engage with. And, you know, one of the big ones around here is oftentimes um, uh, workout communities or, or you know, kind of. The, and I'm all I, I love that people have tribes and they bleed orange and blue and clean juice and any other thing. You know, they, they, they have little they have little uh, the tribes that, that, that form are, are strong relationships. But listen, they don't mean anything. They don't mean anything in light of eternity. They don't mean anything when the crap hits the fan, right, in your life. And you need hope and you need your soul poured into. That's Christ-centered relationships. Let me read a couple more. God chose you to be the holy people He loves. And you must close yourself with tender-hearted mercies and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. This is our treatment of each other. And this is back in Ecclesiastes. I love this because it says, hey, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other one up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. There's a lot of people in so-called communities so-called friendships, so-called circles and environments that are not Christ-centered. And when they fall, they're surrounded by people, but they are alone. When they fall, they are surrounded by people and they are alone. And I struggle the most with people who attend Journey, who attend this church and love this church and are surrounded by people who want to love them. But because they do not get engaged 
with their soul. They do not get involved in relationships. They don't get involved in groups. That's one of the reasons we do groups at Journey is because we want to create and foster this kind of, these kind of relationships. And when they fall, they fall alone. And Don and I will hear about it every once in a while. And, you know, we'll do our best. Staff will always do our best to reach out and to try to catch people that fall through the cracks. But at the end of the days, we can't catch everyone. And they will fall surrounded by God's people because they're not engaged with their soul. They haven't engaged in an authentic community. They haven't trusted others enough to let others in. And they haven't let themselves be a part of other people's lives as well. So that's just another part of it. Let me keep going. Um, the mind. This is transformation. And I've probably harped on this a lot over the last several months. And we're going to talk more about this over the next several weeks. But obviously, one of the verses I love is in Romans. And it's, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The NLT actually says, let it change the way you think. And keep going. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When I go to this verse sometimes, I go to this verse because sometimes people really want clarity in their life. And I basically say, that's awesome. You do know that you can know what God wants you to do, right? Like you can. You can know what his will is. You can know what, what he is asking of you. You can know this. And people are usually like, I don't know if you can really know it. No, no, you can. It just requires you to be fully engaged, wholeheartedly seeking God with your mind, with allowing him to change the way you think, to renew your mind, to have that, as we've talked about years a while back, renovation in, in your life, to change all those things the way you used to think, the, the, the conforming to the pattern of this world, and it changes it now to the way God wants you to think. And, and, and I think that you have to get there. That's what it says. You have to get there. It says, then you will know, right? You have to allow that to happen, and then you will know what his will is, his good and perfect and pleasing will. Love, and that's one of the reasons we, I mean, again, part of this, this even this morning, uh, with, uh, you know, the, even with the depression out there uh, and the rain, you know, we want to we wanna gather, we want to teach the Word of God, we want to gather around the Word of God, those that are online, the, the people that still want to have something, because this is a big part. It's not just you reading your Bible at home. That's obviously important. We'll talk more about that, but just as a church, it's one of the reasons we do, you know, we, we're pretty careful not to have a, a Sunday without Scripture. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds, it sounds weird for me to even say that, but the reality is there are some churches that exist that have Sundays without Scripture. I, it's just beyond me. But we are devoted to the Word of God. We're devoted to His truth. We want His truth to be the thing that challenges us to renew our minds, to change the way we think. And this is the way in which we can experience more from God is when we engage that. So that's, the last one is strength and Really for us, we use a, a part of our core ambitions is that serving brings purpose and strength. In my, in my opinion of studying this, when he goes through heart and soul and mind and strength, he is talking about action. He's talking about what you do. You know, there's a part of our behavior that we engage, right? And, and around here, we use that core ambition of serving brings purpose because we really tie the fact that what we're doing should connect to the fact that God's revealing purpose in our life. Here's some scripture around that. It says, we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So there's a part of this that God created us. There's all sorts of great nuggets in here that he created us, that we're his masterpiece, that he's given us this charge. He has a plan for us. He has things he wants us to do. This is uh, Galatians says, you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. 
Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's our strength. Our strength is fully engaging our actions, our behavior, our serving one another in love that reveals our purpose. And I'll just say this out loud because I've got Hope Lake Norman people and global outreach people and everything uh, here and even uh, Don and people that held up, held, uh, hold up our teams at Journey. You know, we don't, we don't, we're not just trying to find stuff. Let me just put it that way, right? We're not just trying to find stuff for you to do because you already live these margin, you know, full margin lives that you don't have barely anything else you can fit on your plate. That's just our culture. We're not just trying to find something that fills the last 30 seconds of your time that you have during the week because we want to test your commitment to journey. That's not why we do what we do. It's not why we offer opportunities in teams to serve on Sunday. That's not why we offer opportunities with global outreach to go somewhere else in our world and serve. It's not why Josh finds opportunities with, with other strategic partners that we partner with to offer opportunities for you to serve others outside the church. We do that because we know that when you serve, that when you, again, engage the strength, when you're loving the Lord your God with all your strength, as you engage that, you understand that you're built for the, you know, you were created for purpose. And you weren't, you know, there's nothing in your life that's not on purpose. You're created on purpose for purpose, right? There's part of this that's just, if it doesn't reveal your purpose, if it doesn't continue to point back to the overall purpose in your life, then why are you spending time doing it? That's really a better question for the other things in your life. And so the last question I have, just to close this out today, is do you want more? Because that's, I mean, is there more is the question I started with, and I believe the answer is yes. There's richness, there's fullness, there's clarity, there's success, there's, there's favor and blessing, there's presence available to us that we're not experiencing. But do you want more? Do you really want it? And it does take me back to probably not if he's not the one and only Lord of your life. Probably not. What journey offers is nice. And you get a little bit out of it when you show up. Great. And your, maybe your group that you're a part of and go to every once in a while is nice. They're good friends. And you get something a little bit out of it when you go. But the reality is, is that there are other lords in your life. You have other things that you're, you're passionate and devoted to. You have other things you spend energy and time on. There's other things that you're doing that occupy your mind instead of transforming your mind. Right? There's other community that right now serves a, a quick win, a need for you. And if that's the case, then just be honest with yourself. Just be honest that you don't necessarily want more. We are going to teach this series from the, from the assumption that there are people in our church that would answer this question that says, yes. Do you want more? Yes. Yes, I want more. I want more as I grow spiritually, as I grow in my life. I want more of what God has already given me, has already laid out available, has already made a promise to give us in our life. I want more. And so I'm going to end with this verse. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do it again after the, uh, kind of like a benediction after John sings for us a little bit. But this is a verse I want to end with in terms of just, just really plugging into, do we, do we have this heart, wholehearted desire to see more happen? And if we do, 
I just want you to know the promises, there is so much more available. This is one of my favorite verses. I say it all the time. Ephesians 3.20 This is now all glory to God who is able. I love that word able. All glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish, just read the two words out loud, infinitely more. Right? He's able at His power working within you to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask for or we could think, or we could imagine. I love that. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You for today. Thank You for the way Your Word challenges us. Thank You for those online that are, that are dealing right now even with that, that question of do we even want more? Are You really the one and only Lord in our life? And God, if, we, if our answer is maybe not, and maybe no, God, just... And break us, crush us, convict us. Not to tear us down, but so that you can lift us up to so much more. To the fullness, to the all things that you've given us to live lives of godliness. To the riches of your grace, even preceding this verse, to understand the fullness of how much your love, the, the depth and the breadth and the width that your love is for us. Could we experience that? Could we enjoy that? God, you said we could. Infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. And so God, as we continue the next several weeks, digging in how to get more of what you've already promised us, of what you've already made available to us, may you change us. May we just make a, make a commitment that's powered by you, but a commitment in our minds and hearts that's fueled by your Spirit to fully engage our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength in the experience we get with you week in and week out, individually and corporately, so we can experience the more you've called us to, even within the local church, even with this beautiful expression of your bride. We want to experience more. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.